The legends are true. But overwhelming power! The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Wickdonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece Nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at Wickdonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Welcome back to another episode of Within the Lines, the in-depth film podcast where two best friends use a fail-proof movie ranking scale to determine if a movie is above the line, below the line, or within the lines. Today is Wednesday, February 1st, 2023. Ty, how did you feel about that brand new intro I just wrote out? <sighs> Felt a little rushed. I feel like that's going to take time. <laughs> okay. Um, I, uh, I was reading it off a document, to be fair. We'll go 6.8 out of 10 on that one. I don't know if that means words need to be changed or the delivery needs to be adjusted. You didn't fail. You passed. Okay. I'll um, allow it. We don't have to re-record. We're, well, we were never going to re-record. We're okay. trying to uh, – we're doing a tagline just so, you know, new people listening to the podcast can kind of know what this podcast yeah. is about. Right away. Right off the rip. Um, let me try again. Let me try this delivery again. <clears throat> Hit it. Welcome back to another episode of Within the Lines, the in-depth film podcast where two best friends use a fail-proof movie ranking scale – to determine if a movie is above the line, below the line, or within the lines. Today is February. Wednesday, February 1st, 2023. <laughs> I think I nailed it up until the date. No, that was that was in the sevens. All right. That bumped you into the sevens. I don't hate it. <laughs> I think minor changes, but not much. A little wordy, maybe. but So that's the overall, what's this exact podcast about, Jay? Today we are reviewing the Netflix original film, You People, starring the likes of Seth Rogen. Eddie Murphy. No, it's not Seth. I, you Just know what? Immediately Hand wrong. up. I always say Seth Rogen and Jonah Hill. I mix them up a lot. Yeah. Over under for times I mess this up in this podcast is probably four and a half. Okay. I will call Jonah Hill Seth Rogen multiple times. Okay. Uh, Jonah Hill, Eddie Murphy, Julia Louis-Dreyfus, Nia Long, David Duchovny, and a bunch of others. It is the Netflix film. It is a, a culture rom-com examination kind of breaking down the barriers examining the barriers between uh black culture jewish culture white culture yeah. and all of the above ty yeah um not getting received well of course we'll talk about that after the intro but i weirdest trailer i've ever seen for a movie the trailer is just the scene of them sitting down in the roscoe's chicken and waffles um kind of one of those netflix movies that was sprung on us like two weeks before it released was when we saw the first thing and usually when that happens, that's not a good sign. Yeah. Um, I think they knew that this was going to be panned by critics. Yeah. And we also got some DCE, not DCEU, DCU news. 
Is it just DCU? Because it sounds like it's multiple different U's. I don't know. New studio head James Gunn referred to it as the DCU. So before we get into you people, we will touch on all the exciting or not exciting DCU news. Can't wait. Let's get into the show. 60% of the time, it works every time. Don Samos. What? Did we just become best friends? Yep. I don't so good. I'm not fucking leaving. The show goes on. All right, Ty, before his last ever, I'll say last ever, MCU movie is released, Guardians of the Galaxy, Volume 3, yeah. in which half or more of the Guardians are probably going to die. Um, or I should say after that. I don't I don't know if I said before. James Gunn, he, he jumped ship. He went from MCU to DC. And then back to the MCU for one a one-off, and now he's full-time DC, EU, DCU, DC, UUEU, whatever yeah. they want to call it. Um, he's the studio head. He is the Kevin Feige, along with uh, Peter Safran, who's kind of like, no one really knows who that is, I feel yeah. like. Respect to that, though, because you're probably getting paid just as much as James Gunn, but James Gunn has to do all like the PR stuff. Yeah. Now, James Gunn's obviously a great filmmaker. Um, well... I, I've never seen a James Gunn film outside of his, his superhero work. I don't know if he has anything. He's a great but, superhero filmmaker. I was going to say, don't worry, Jade. This is all superhero <laughs> stuff. <laughs> um, so they, they tabbed him as the studio head. And look, they, it's been widely speculated, if not almost confirmed, that they were going to like reset everything in some way, shape, or form. And in this five-minute video he released on Twitter and all other social media platforms, he confirmed that. He just comes out and says it. We are starting over. We are, we're, we're doing um, Shazam. Yep. The movie we're going to review here in like three, four weeks, unfortunately. Um, and then we're jumping straight into the Flashpoint movie or Flash, whatever it's even called. And that's just going to reset everything. And then we're going to have Aquaman 2 after. Yeah. And they might just pull, uh, oh, this stuff happened before Flash <laughs> kind of move. It just ends with the events of Flash. It, it might be an Ant-Man 2 situation. Re- yeah. Ant-Man 2 released after Infinity War. And, and it, it ends with yeah, the snap. Ant-Man 2, one of the worst MCU movies. Terrible. I'll say it. Awful. Ant-Man Awful. 3, film. though, looks pretty good. Can't fucking wait. That's on That's on the review in two, three weeks. Um, so they released, they announced, I should say, um, a lot of new projects, a lot of movies, a lot of TV shows. I'll start with the TV shows. Um, they announced Creatures Commandos. Now, Ty, stop me if you've heard of any of these. Now, we're more Marvel guys ourselves. I'm not a big, like, comic book comic book guy. Yeah. I'm, I'm in, the, in the culture, and I know... The base level, but I'm not, like, your dad or whatever. Mm-hmm. Stop me if you've actually heard of these people before. Okay. Creature Commandos. Not stopping me. Haven't heard of them. Nope. Um, in it, Amanda Waller forms another super team out of monstrous prisoners. Love that. Waller. Heard of, I've heard of her. <laughs> Only because I've seen her in movies. <laughs> um, and it said it's going to feature Team Peacemaker, so John Cena will probably be in it, which is excellent news because John Cena is the absolute best. Right. I'll be real pissed if Team Peacemaker doesn't involve Peacemaker. <laughs> Actual Peacemaker. Yeah, I'll be real pissed. Um, Booster Gold. I have heard of him. I don't know anything about him, but I've heard of him. DC Comics longtime comic relief character is a time traveler who uses basic technology and consumer appliances from the future to make himself a superhero in present day. Look, that Love actually that. sounds pretty great. Love that so much. Just some fucking idiot who like stumbles into the past and everyone thinks he's incredible. I wonder what's a good casting for that, but... I don't know, in the DCU where there's so many superheroes and superpowers and everything. I don't know. It'll be good. Uh, Lanterns, which is, I know, I don't, you don't need to stop me. It's a Green Lantern show. Yeah. Um, but Buddy Cop Team Up is what this article from Polygon is theorizing. 
Um, DCU Studios said it will be an enormous TV event series focused on the two unraveling a dark mystery. I love that. I want some good Green Lantern content. Paradise Lost, set in Themyscira. Oh, it's the Themyscira. Themyscira, whatever. It's uh, the the Wonder Woman, Wonder Woman um, Island. Island. Yeah. Paradise Lost. As long as it doesn't involve Gal Gadot's Wonder Woman, I'm all in. <laughs> Ty noted Gal Gadot hater. Yeah. Bad actress. <laughs> um, and then the movies. So we're gonna get another Superman movie, Superman Legacy. James Gunn kind of already talked about it before. I thought that he was going to say it's – I thought before he said it was going to be like a younger Superman. He but did. Yeah. This article says it sounds like a reboot of 2013's Man of Steel without Henry Cavill. I don't know about that. I think it's just going to be a new universe you know, because they could do that in comic books. And it will be a younger Superman. Who knows? Well, I think what they mean by younger Superman is a 10 years younger than Henry Cavill. Which is 2013. Yeah. <laughs> That's why I'm – I think that just means like Henry Cavill's aging out of their future plans. So they're starting over with someone probably in like their 20s. This is the problem with DC is I feel like they only have – I know there's obviously a lot of characters. And this is something what James Gunn is trying to do is trying to bring these new characters onto the screen. Um, but Marvel just has been pulling out like random people that aren't mainstream. Whereas it just feels like DC's like, well, we got to do Superman. we got to do Batman. we got to do these big ones. I think part of the problem for them is they haven't done them good in the connected yeah. universe. Yeah. Which blows me away. But they haven't they, even tried it. Like that's what I'm saying. They always nail Batman movies. Just make a Batman standalone in a connected universe. Yeah. It's just like what's a like Shazam is maybe the least popular consensus, like, you know, widespread before the movie was made superhero they have. Maybe the Suicide Squad. I don't know. Yeah. And it's just it's like they Doctor Strange wasn't a big name or, you know, all these other, you know, Shang-Chi wasn't a big name, all these different ones that they've been doing and doing successfully. And that's why they've built a whole thing. And DC has to restart um, 10 years later and probably will have to restart in 10 years more. Um, <laughs> the Authority. Yeah. Group of seven heroes with high, very high concept superpowers. One, Jack Hawksmore, is physically bonded to cities, drawing his strength from them. It will be the first appearance of Wildstorm canon in the DC universe. I don't, I don't know what those words mean. Wildstorm Cannon? Yeah. Is that like a character? Um, I don't know. Okay. I feel no way about this. But it's James Gunn, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have faith. Wildstorm Comics. It's like a comic. Oh. I guess, oh, they, they, oh, yeah. So Wildstorm published was. published under DC. Wildstorm was a – they made Stormwatch, and then DC bought them, I believe. That's what it was. Hmm. Okay. I think it said only like 2011. Uh, the Brave and the Bold, which is supposed to be a um, Batman and Robin crossover stories with their DC characters. It's supposed to be like – but it's Batman's kid Robin. It's not regular Robin. It's supposed to be his son. It's like the fourth version of Robin. Yeah. Which implies the other Robins are dead. Well, right? one's dead – doesn't one turn into a villain? One turns into a villain. One turns into a different superhero. Got it. Yeah. Oh, I'm all for it. <laughs> I need more Batman and Robin content. The really shitty 80s, 90s movie. I think it's 90s. You like it. I fucking love it so much. <laughs> it's so corny. It's so awful, but I love it. Nothing beats, card. nothing beats the Bat credit card. <laughs> Just ridiculous product placement. Um, that, so that's, I hope they do a Capital One commercial in the middle of this movie. And it's like, what's in your bat wallet? 
<laughs> I would love that. Uh, Supergirl, Woman of Tomorrow, which is supposed to be like a, she's still on the island of Klingon? It's not Klingon. <laughs> I don't know what the Superman island is. Krypton. Uh, Kryp- Kryptonian. It's a planet, not an island. That's what when I When you're in space. Uh, planets not... are just really big yeah, islands. Yeah, they're space islands. <laughs> it's not a bad take. Um, super round space islands. They are. Supergirl, Woman of Tomorrow, though, so that's going to be um, presents a Supergirl, Supergirl viewers are not used to seeing. Yeah. Truthfully, they're not used to seeing Supergirl on a big screen at all. <laughs> that's a good uh that's a good uh, little zinger right there. <laughs> um and then Swamp Thing. Okay. Which is looks like it might be more of a horror investigate the dark origins of Swamp Thing. I wouldn't be surprised if they go like a horror dark kind of route with that. So. Yeah, I know the one thing that they don't touch on in this article um that we're using for reference here is he made it very clear that they're going to do animated live action um, canon, non-canon, mm-hmm. like they're gonna say, if this is a extended universe or like mainline. the Batman or the Joker. Yep, and it's gonna be separate, and then the animated stuff could also be canon. So they'll make TV shows and well, stuff. Well, it sounded like they, and of course they could do whatever they want. It sounded by him what he was saying is he wants all of it to be connected, like unless specifically stated otherwise, the yeah. animated will be canon. Yeah, and, and they're like, gonna get the same actors to yep. do it both ways, which I love that. I feel like they're just – I feel like this is kind of a jerk move by James Gunn because I feel like this is what Sony is going to do with Tom Holland. Like, I think it's it's been my theory that Tom Holland's showing up at the end of Into the Spider-Verse Part 1 or Part 2. You could show, throw him in whenever, and we're going to get an animated – the Spider-Verse, Jay. Yeah. What did I say? Into. Oh, sorry. Um, we're going to get an animated Tom Holland, and then we're going to get a live-action Miles Morales. I'm sure of it. I, they're going to do it. They're going to do it. I hope so. And this is – I think James Gunn knows that because, you know, these circles are small. I feel like they all kind of speculate what they're doing. Yeah. And he's he's like, hey. He's in with everyone. He's on both sides of the fence. Yeah. Well, is, he's not on the Sony side. Well, yeah, but the Sony side's kind of on the Marvel side. How long until James Gunn is making a Spider-Man or becomes the head of their, their universe? Or who is – who's better question. Who is Sony going to hire? Which Marvel director are they going to hire to be the James Gunn of Sony? Russo Bros feels like the obvious choice. Yeah. They feel like the next one of Kevin's protégés. feel like they got too much allegiance to Kevin. It is a lot, but I don't know. We just got to wait for one of the directors to have, like, tweets get pulled up from 15 years ago and get fired and yeah. then be able to be hired by Sony. Opens the door. Yeah. No, there's that one guy and girl. I don't remember their name. The producers who were a big reason why, you know, the other Spider-Man movies stopped making them. All, those two people seem like they are very much in power and are not willing to relinquish said power so i don't think that'll happen and that's why we'll keep getting a horrible sony spider-man universe that who knows what they do with that i think they just they just let kevin run both they're smart they just hand over the keys of the car they should i ty is this a safe space yeah 100 percent. well they also james gunn also said like games he pretty much they want everything interwoven yeah love that all for that i've said this before i feel like we might have peaked. Are we getting into the point of this um, comic book genre, superhero genre, where it's just like oversaturated and it's just like not fun anymore? They still make good individual projects. For sure. But they've also not been making as many good individual projects. At least Marvel hasn't. Also true. I just feel like the whole lore of it before was like this was something never before done. And now we have three different versions of it. And it's like in the MCU specifically, we keep up on it because we're – we live for this stuff. Yeah. And even we didn't watch Miss Marvel, but 
Um, I watched it. We didn't talk about it, but I watched nah, it. I stopped watching it. Um, <laughs> just seems like a lot. Seems like a lot to ask, and I just I don't know if we're uh, sometimes less is more. And we actually haven't really got much Marvel stuff. There hasn't been like any shows since She Hulk. Like, kind of needed this little bit of reset. Yeah, I think truthfully, like it's gonna be a situation where it is a hundred percent oversaturated, and we're getting a lot of this stuff. But that's why I like that James Gunn's kind of taking it this different route on like doing weird stuff and animated connects to live action. Like Mm -hmm. what happens when something gets oversaturated is you need to switch it up and make it different to where people like it and still find a way to be interested. Peacemaker was wonderful. The way they handled that series and everything with like the comedic R rated comedy type thing. They need to lean into work. Perfect stuff. Yeah. Work perfect like that. If they can give me like an actual detective show with green lanterns, that's more detective based than, you know, superhero type thing. Works great. All for that. Like, find different angles to approach this different stuff, and yeah. I think that will counteract the oversaturated market. When are we going to get a superhero murder mystery? <laughs> now, there's... We kind of got it with the Batman. That's uh, not a murder mystery, actually. That's just no. a detective. Yeah. That's a great idea. And the superhero finds out he's the one who committed the murder. <laughs> hey, don't give our ideas oh, out. Okay. Um, even though it's been well-documented. <laughs> I'm, we a film we forgot to mention, Blue Beetle, which comes out in 2023, August 18th, 2023. They just left it off this article. Um, that's supposed to be the re- like the true restarting point, I believe, of the DCU. Seems like a character James Gunn is very um, excited about. Yeah. Um, it's kind of the wannabe Spider-Man. Um, a teenager who gains superpowers when an alien Blue Beetle, Scarab, insect onto Insect him. base. Power, forming a powerful exoskeleton around his body, played by... Um, I'm going to nail this. Zolo Maraduana. That almost sounded like I said marijuana. I, I don't have his name in front of me, but I think he did a good job there. Maraduana. Mar- Zolo. X-O-L-O. That's got to be Zolo, right? Usually the, that makes a Z sound. Yeah, for sure. Um, but more importantly, I Rude- think it's, it's Maraduana. I think it's it's very similar to marijuana. Don't look at the cast, Ty. Okay. We are getting a banger casting as Rudy, Jamie's uncle in that film. It is a man who has long needed to be in a superhero movie. Is it Gerard Butler? <laughs> no, no, no. I wish. No, this character, I believe, uh, Jamie Jamie Reyes, he's of um, Hispanic descent. So that wouldn't make sense. I mean, it could. He could be married in. But Hispanic it is a Hispanic actor. Who's, who's long overdue in a suit. George Lopez? Yes, George no. Lopez. <laughs> George Lopez is in this. I'm all it. fucking in. James Gunn knows what he's doing. <laughs> If we don't fucking get Lowrider playing in uh, Blue Beetle, I'm going to be disappointed. I'm going to be heartbroken. Oh, I'm excited. I'm excited. I love this. I love this so much. George Lopez, 61. He's still kicking it, though. He's got his new show. The I Lo- didn't know that. Lopez is or whatever it's called. You didn't know that? No. <laughs> Lopez versus Lopez. Is it him versus himself? <laughs> uh, the premise is George Lopez. So he's just playing... Um, it's like the the his old sitcom George Lopez. Yeah, he's playing George Lopez. Okay, doesn't change his name for his roles. Um, he is the owner of a moving company that went bankrupt and is forced to move into his daughter Mayan's house. Mayan Lopez is also Mayan Lopez. Uh, it's his actual daughter. Yeah. Um. So then it's supposed to be uh, you know, the problem is they didn't talk. They just started speaking after being estranged for most of her teenage years. So they're learning about each other. Nice. They're getting back in each other's good graces. 
Look, I respect a man who's just like, I'm funny enough that the premise just needs to be me. Me and just plug me into, it's yeah. like we're saying superhero movies, plug them into these different genres. Just plug George Lopez into Anything. X, Y, and Z. Yeah. And don't, don't give him a fake name. Just make him George Lopez. It's I, weird if you call him anything but George Lopez. I apologize. Um, this is not his first superhero thing. Well, Shark Boy and Lava Girl, obviously. Oh, I wasn't even counting that, but that's a good. Um, twenty twenty, he was in the he voiced did a voice in the Harley Quinn adult animated dark comedy show of himself. Oh, fuck. that's a great show too. I don't remember that. I wonder if it's the newest season. Okay, so he's got some. He knows what he's doing. He's got his superhero chops. If you look at his uh, this a classic within the lines random left turn. Well, last thing before we get into you people, if you look at his um like television, um kind of film credits, yeah. it's um most of them are himself. Uh, he played himself on Curb Your Enthusiasm. He played George Lopez on George Lopez. Um, he played George on a show Freddy, so he's still George. He played himself on America's Americans Mexican HBO special. He played himself on the Naked Brothers Band, five episodes. He played the mayor of Reno on Reno 911. I need to see that. That sounds like it'd be hilarious. That does sound wonderful. Played himself on an HBO special. A lot of himself's uh, Shake It Up. He played George Martinez. I don't like that. <laughs> if you're staying with George, stay with George. Uh, St. George, he played. Can you guess it? I, I love that. What, St. George? Oh, I thought you said he played St. George. Well, the show was called St. George. Can you guess who he played? It's going to be someone else, isn't it? He's he gonna, played, played Freddy. No, he played George. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you were going to break my heart right um, there. He had another show called Just Lopez. Oh, that was an American semi-autobiographical show. Okay. Um, it's a lot of just himself. He appears in Beverly Hills Chihuahua 2 and 3. I can't find one. Oh, it isn't one. As uh, Poppy. Nice. Yeah, not George. <laughs> <laughs> nice. All right, Ty, do you want to get into you people? Yeah, let's talk about it. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. And it works everywhere I write. Summarizing a doc only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun... Yeah, you get it. 
every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. When a young podcaster falls in love with a girl, they both struggle to find a connection with their soon-to-be in-laws as they find that their cultures couldn't be more different. You know, out of all the things you could have mentioned about Jonah Hill's character, podcaster was probably down on the list. Yeah, but I mean, it's I know, but I had to. I game respect game. <sighs> this is the second movie we've seen in the last six months or so where the main character was a podcast host for no reason other than, hey, that's like a job in 2023. Let's make him a podcast host. Look, what was the other one? Bros. That's right. No reason, which is fine. I mean, you could any movie there's no reason for someone to be a, a carpenter or whatever yeah. but it's it's funny how it's like oh well, it's 2023 well over. the reason in this was that he had a podcast about and black, i quote black culture right the culture um <laughs> that is a quote and that's so they can make an excuse as to this is how he knows black people how he knows the culture how he thinks he knows black people yeah he admits in the end he didn't actually know, he didn't black, know black people despite still doing the podcast with his black friend now ty this movie I don't even know where to start. I guess we can start with um, how it's being received. Um, 43% on Rotten Tomatoes. 39 audience. 39% audience score. It's not being received well despite having a pretty star-studded cast. Yeah. Um, It was part written by Jonah Hill. Uh, He also produced it. Directed by Kenya Barris, who I don't know what else he directed. Um, Um, Cheaper by the Dozen. He was a screenwriter, producer, and writer. The 2022 version. He's been a writer on Blackish and Grownish, which I know are like TV shows. Yeah. Well, very well received TV shows at that. He did the screenplay for The Witches, a movie we reviewed long, long time ago. <sighs> One of the first uh, full movie scale podcasts we did before we did our little split. We used to talk about sports on this podcast. That is a a, a past life of ours. Yeah. Um, when did you watch this? I watched this last week probably on friday oh really on friday I think. usually you watch it the day before because you procrastinate no me and victoria both sat down and watched this i think maybe saturday i watched it yesterday by myself okay so you you waited to the last minute and procrastinated um texted riley she's at work do you care about this movie do you want me to wait i got an emphatic no oh i don't care about this movie and i kind of understand why um yeah, Ty, this movie, I, I don't even know where to start. You you start us off. You could jump in the plot slash story. You could, if there's any touching points you have before we get into scale, uh, I'm going to let Maurice back into our studio, a.k.a. my office in my apartment because he's begging at the door. But why don't you give these listeners a little little start to this? Give us your plot slash story score. Break it down. Okay. I'm teeing you up. <laughs> plot slash story, Jay. <laughs> um, so the plot of this movie is that – the podcaster, we have yet to reference the fact he is a white Jewish podcaster. I'm assuming white. Skin color white, maybe of different ethnicity. Yeah, and I just want to, um, before we continue, like, if there is, like, a a, um, a difference, like, calling someone white or calling someone Jewish, like, we are not, we're speaking out of, like, a place of ignorance. We're not Bully. trying to be uh, hateful or anything. Um, and we are trying our best, as Tyler just distinguished, that he is Jewish, skin color white, you know. Non-black Jewish person. Yes. I, re- I, I feel like that covers our bases, right? Um, yes. And just not even, like, you know, genuinely ignorant and, ignorant and just continue. Tyler's ignorant is what I'm saying. Thank you. I appreciate that. <laughs> uh, Jonah Hill finds uh, a woman, falls in love with her. 
wants to marry her, finds out her family. Well, I think he knew her family was black, as he could, I could yes. see. Also Muslim. Very yes. different cultures. Yes. Um, this is then a movie of kind of their, kind of a rom-com of like them, but more so just like him trying to get her father's approval with his family sprinkled in there. His mom also being like. His mom trying to get his future wife's approval. But yeah, not doing it, you know, trying to learn about the culture, but doing it in a, not a productive way and more so like a token Offensive. black friend. Token, yeah. you know, She says that. Um, she has the token black daughter-in-law. Yeah. Something along those lines. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's, th- it's that struggle. But uh, you see, Jay, Jonah Hill has a podcast about the culture. So he knows a thing or two about <laughs> black people. Yeah. Um, it's, it's a really, really shitty story. Yeah. Whether you think the movie's funny or anything else, the, the romantic comedy part just kind of sucks. Mm-hmm. And it, like, goes back and forth between being, like, a commentary mm-hmm. on, you know, the, the culture. <laughs> <laughs> and being a rom-com and just, like, making jokes. And, and it just kind of, the plot's like, hey, we meet, we fall in love. Okay, let, uh, we're just going to struggle to get along with our families while we try to get married. Yeah. Like, very prototypical. Ba- I gave it a 4 out of 20. Very, very cookie-cutter terrible story. Um, it's, it's, there's nothing. It's so paper thin. Before we continue for any new listeners, um, the scale has five prongs in it. Plot slash story, mm-hmm. visual cinematography, key elements, characters, and enjoyment. Yep. We rank each thing from 1 to 20. Zero? Do we give zeros? I don't think we've ever given it. I think zeros are like very special occasions. We never have. It, that's how special of occasion it has. But to yeah. Be. Why well, the occasion hasn't occurred yet? Um, <laughs> correct. I can't wait to give out my first zero. Um, <laughs> to get a consensus score out of one hundred, we take our combined scores and then it determines where a movie falls on our on our rankings within the lines, below the lines, above the line, draw the line, all those fun things. Yeah. Returning listeners know this. You gave it a four tie. That's pretty low. That's like a two out of ten if we're doing it that way. Um, we I don't, agree though. We you. go out of 20. <laughs> I agree with you. Hand up. That's kind of always how I've thought about it is like, what am I giving this out of 10? And then times do you give, two. do you give things like a two and a half out of 10? And that's how you get a five. Sometimes I hate that. <laughs> I hate that so much. <laughs> well, no, I start out of 20, but then I'll think about what is that out of 10 and sometimes make adjustments based on that info. Does that make sense? No, I hate that. You need to think of things out of 20 because that's what the scale is. If you start thinking well, of things out of 10, then why don't we just do 1 through 10 giving half points and then doubling to get our final score out of 100? Is that what this is? Well, we all know I have a flaw where my scale really goes from like 3 to 18 instead of 1 to 20, but that's What does that even So does your scale day. go from 1 and a half to 8 and a half? <laughs> It'd be 1 and a half to 9, thank you very much. Whatever. Um, I didn't fall as low as you, although I I agree with a lot of the same points you made. Um, I don't know where to touch, like touch on this now or later. I guess touch on this now because I think a lot of the problems with this movie also falls into the key elements as well. Um, but the love story is like, and also falls in the characters. This is one of those reviews where everything's just going to be intertwined. Yeah. Um, the care, like the story of the love itself. Like, I just, I don't care. Like, whatsoever. You, you didn't make me care at all and we could talk about him getting into her car randomly and that's how they met because he thought it was her uber and then he he's like let me give you directions to where you're trying to go because you don't know where you're gonna go and she's like yeah a random stranger i just picked up serial killer vibes let's go yep that's how you end chopped up in a duffel bag on the side (laughs) of the road not gonna talk about that too much because that's typical rom-com bs whatever sure but like 
we literally didn't get any reason to care about this this relationship, which is what the whole plot is based on. Like that's why they want to overcome this struggle of each other's family is because of how much they care about each other. And we just don't see that connection between each other. Yeah, and you have like the broader strokes kind of cultural things you're trying to touch on, which it kinda does in some instances. We could talk in key elements when we get there, but you have those, but like everything hinges around this this love story and that's kind of the the nucleus of this atom. And it's just like they have one lunch, we get a super breezy, you know, it, it's um a uh what's the word I'm looking for where they just montage. You know, it's a montage that's um What's the thing you could do on your phones where you record and it's like a long... Time lapse. There it is. Time lapse, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) It wasn't really a montage because it's the same location. Yeah, it's a time lapse. Then we get like some few small scenes and then it's six months later he proposes to her. Which, as someone who's been in a relationship for going on eight years and hasn't proposed yet, not a great look for me. Yeah. Granted, these actors are in their mid to late 30s. um, So I guess it's a little bit different. but. And then we get into that, and then it instantly jumps into, like, the the nasty mother-in-law, nasty father-in-law, like, that kind of trope of rom-coms with, like, the cultural dynamic mixed in. But, again, you have the breakup at the end. Spoiler alert. It's a rom-com. Of course they broke up. Yeah. There's got to be something bad before the good. Like, there's no no care. There's no – and I don't want to touch on characters too much, but that's also part of the problem. I'll touch about that when we get there. Like, it's just that central story is so paper-thin, like you said. And, like, they tried some of the other stuff, so – how about the – did you give your score? I gave it a 5 out of 20. Oh, you're right there with me. Yeah. yeah. How about the absolute psycho behavior between two parents to set up a surprise wedding for their children who are broken up? And they're like, hey, let's introduce you guys back into each other. Like, my bad. Let's try again. By the way, you have to say yes or no right now. You're getting married. <laughs> absolute Broke- psychopath behavior. Broken up for three months. What did they do with the house that they bought together? Did They, they did. We don't see any of that. That would have been heartbreaking. That would have made me care about them more if I would have seen Jonah Hill, like, struggling with the memories of those two. Yeah, we don't even get, like, the sad breakup. We get three months later, and you get Jonah Hill talking about on his podcast, not even about his relationship. It's, like, stuff kind of about the relationship, but not really. And then you have a scene of her being, like, sad looking at the old pair of shoes they got together, and that was it. Um, Again, on that podcast, the sentiment that we get is – Damn, you were right. I can never get along with black culture as I do this podcast with my black best friend. <laughs> it doesn't make sense. It's just, it, it hurts my brain. And then it's just like, haha, just kidding. Turns out it was just our parents. We're fine. <laughs> I think some of like the broader things are worth talking about. More th- they, like there was like some broad strokes, and I guess it's going more into key elements, which. It might be worth it to just jump straight into there and maybe just do visuals last because, honestly, I know we're going out of order, but I feel like that's the least important part of this whole well, film is the power, visuals. Let's just power through visuals really quick. I gave it a nine. I liked the music. <laughs> they used a lot of music, the visuals and everything else. It was fine. It looked fine. They didn't do anything special. I didn't hate it. Could have just done this at the end, but I also gave it a nine. Okay. Um, ironically. Yeah, it was – the filming was very cookie-cutter vanilla, but there was, like, some thematic elements, I guess, you know, a little bit. Very minimal. So it got a nine. Um, but the key elements. So the key elements of, like, the, the cultural things they're trying to talk about. Like, some of that is important is does touch base a little bit. Like, the scene where she's trying to get that job and she doesn't. And then he's like, let me call up my uncle. He'll help you out. And, she, you know, she's like, that's how you've gotten it your whole life. I haven't gotten it that way. I don't want to get it that way yet. You don't understand. Like, there's some moments like that where it's like, okay, like, that's kind of a powerful message. And, like, you're kind of 
expressing that kind of cultural divide and everything in a positive way that the viewer can understand. But then there's also some of it which is like just a little bit trivial and there's also the bad love story. And I saw on Rotten Tomatoes like the consensus um, critics review, which I don't know who writes this, but I thought it like we never really read this, but I thought it nailed the head hammer on the head, nailed the head on the coffin, nailed the hammer, hammer. It's put the the nail in the coffin or hit the nail on the head, hit the nail on the head. You people has, well, an outstanding cast and plenty of comedic potential. I don't know about that. Both mostly wasted on a picture that dithers between social commentary and romantic comedy without fully committing to either. Look, we started this because we thought Rotten Tomatoes was broken. Um, yeah. That their scores didn't perfectly reflect things. That perfectly reflects this movie. <laughs> Shout out to them for getting it right for once. <laughs> it was a great written review. Now, that being said, that part of it I didn't like. I actually la- laughed a decent amount in this movie. Like, some of the comedy, like, you get Eddie Murphy and Jonah Hill. Like, it's really hard to not have some funny moments. Jay, when the fucking dad stands up and has given the speech about Exhibit's past life, and, like, his early, like... I fucking lost it. The exhibit running bit fucking killed me. That's comedic gold. <laughs> that was pretty good. <laughs> That's one of my favorite running bits I've seen in a movie in fucking a while. There's been like three separate times that he just brings up exhibit. <laughs> and it's so fucking funny because like, I love your dad. It feels like something your dad yeah. would do with something like a nineties culture thing. And he's just like, I fucking love this guy, though. Yeah, he would bring up some, like, Tupac or whatever, <laughs> some rapper, and just keep bringing it up. <laughs> it's yeah. just so fucking funny. Um, My dad's stuck in the late 90s, yeah. I, I love it, though. <laughs> <laughs> I it, it made me, like, genuinely, genuinely laugh throughout. But, again, it's just the back and forth between the, like, half-committed social commentary, like it said. Like, something fucking great. Like, the mom being more concerned about, like, her being black than a person. Like, I'm sure they see that all the time. Yeah. Like, I'm sure that's absolutely something real, but then it's just it's just overdone and kind of cringy at points. I almost want to lean, wanted this movie to not be a rom-com. Yeah. I don't know what they could have, because I guess in theory the whole central point was, like, two families you know, meshing together, but like that is almost what made this worse. If you made it a a more serious comedy of some kind. Again, I don't know how we do this, you know, but like there was some potential there. Cause again, you get Jonah Hill and Eddie Murphy on a project together. Like it's going to be funny. Like I, you know, that exhibit scene was funny and I laughed pretty hard a few times. Some of Jonah Hill's stuff didn't land. Um, the Holocaust, the, the ring being from the Holocaust that got me laughing. <laughs> yeah, that was quality. Uh, um, <laughs> so that carried me to an eight for the key elements, but that's probably the absolute highest I can go because I look, I laughed a lot. Like I'm, I, and again, in a future score, it will reflect. Like, I think there's a lot of issues with this movie. The one thing it did right was the comedy for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, I landed on an 11. Okay. Cause like I, I, there was jokes throughout and it was, they were putting up shots. It was quantity, Yeah. but they, they shot like 60% from the field. It was a good night. Is that a good night for NBA? I don't watch NBA. Yeah. That's a good night. Wait, what'd you say? 60%? Yeah. That's a great night. Is it? That's very good. Even for like a big man who just does layups? Big man who just does layups, that's still a pretty good night. Okay. If you don't just do layups, that's a great night. Um, Love that. Okay. What do you think of Jonah Hill just um, not looking like he knew how to dribble a basketball and then instantly becoming, you know, Kobe yeah. Bryant out there? I was uh, That's another one that's getting flamed on Twitter right now. It's just pictures of very un- unathletic children trying to dribble a basketball and just looking terrible uh, and comparing it to Jonah Hill in this movie. Uh, didn't really make sense. Kind of hated it. Like, at the very least, like, come on, have some 
some self-awareness. Like, Jonah Hill can't dribble a basketball. We all saw it. He looked yeah. like me dribbling a basketball. Can't do it. And, like, you just take your audience out of that scene. Just make him a freaking off-ball shooter. Yep. Make him have good defense, and then he's just, like, drilling corner threes. Have him throwing up alley-oops and shit. Yeah, you don't need to show him dribbling on a fast break because it was very obvious he doesn't know how to do that. It wasn't great. He had two left feet trying to do that. Give me a very, very, very obvious uh, stunt man. Give me the guy from, um, what was the Adam Sandler movie, the actual NBA player? Juancho Hernan Gomez. That's not his name, is it? Is it Juancho Hernan Gomez or is it, um, it's, no, it's not. It's, um, he's on the Raptors. Bo Cruz was Bo his. Cruz. Oh, I was saying his real name. Well, I know, but that is who yeah, I'm talking is, about. It is, uh, Juancho Hernan Gomez. What a name. That's pretty sick. Give me him as a body double. I don't care. <laughs> I don't give a fuck. <laughs> Wearing the same size clothing too. So I want him in like a belly shirt and like short shorts because they just like, they got to keep it the same. And just have him, like, dunking and then cut back to Jonah Hill, like, oh, in the camera <laughs> after Bo Cruz dunks. Give me that because I don't, I don't want to watch Jonah Hill play basketball, respectfully. Uh, there was something else I was going to bring up, and then – I'm sorry. <laughs> oh, what would you think of his uh, – the whole ha- – him having stupid friends and doing coke and everything? Like, And, again, that's where this movie's <laughs> weird is you have this whole, like, cultural thing where it's, like, you know, it's – Jonah Hill not understanding the culture, thinking he does. But then you have this, like, 10-minute bit where he goes to Vegas and Eddie Murphy just watches him and they find out he did coke before. Like, what does that have to do with the whole, like, culture meshing thing you've been trying to achieve? That has nothing. That's like a typical rom-com stupid thing to do. I loved Andrew Schultz saying that he went to the (laughs) the January 6th. Yeah. I fucking loved that. (laughs) Great bit. Yeah. Again, does the comedy well, but they just don't commit to either one. Like, when they do comedy, very funny. But, like, it's not fully comedic. Like, there's very serious things. Mm-hmm. And I think my two issues go into characters. One, you have Eddie Murphy. You don't make him funny. Yeah. Eddie Murphy just plays the very quiet, pissed-off dad who hates the son. Yeah. And, like, you don't really see his comedic chops at all. Mm-hmm. A very loud drink. Apologies. Sorry. I don't know. It's because it was empty. <laughs> I didn't know it was empty. He's just very serious, and you just don't use him. You know what? Maybe we didn't see him on screen. But we felt his influence in the other comedy that was throughout the movie. You think? No. Okay. But <laughs> I like to hope. Okay. <laughs> I had another point. I don't remember. They made Eddie Murphy not funny. Uh, my biggest bummer. point with the characters, which I didn't like these characters, was I've never seen a rom-com couple have le- less chemistry and be a more unbelievable pairing. Like, A... The girl was just, like, way too gorgeous for Jonah Hill. Jonah Hill looks like he's 60 in this. Whoa, Jay. I So, look. Not a good a film. I won't take Jonah Hill slander. I fucking love Jonah Hill. Lauren London's, like, a 9.5 out of 10, 10 out of 10. Jonah Hill looked like a 4 out of 10. He looked like he was 50 in this. I'm just saying. Hold but, on. J- stop. Because you're doing some damage here. Mm-hmm. Ugly, funny guys need some love, too. <laughs> he made her laugh, Jay. Okay, uh, give some credit. He's it funny. It, it doesn't that's how that's how fours pull nines. It didn't have to do with the looks. Is the reason why I didn't think they had chemistry. I just thought they had like no chemistry on screen together. Like I agree with that. They had like their relationship was not believable at all. Like just and again, it's these things where like it's like you know when actors have chemistry and you know when they don't. Like this was a very obvious example of two actors who didn't have chemistry as a romantic pairing. You know, it just it, it didn't work for me at all. And like. 
I, that just really took me out of it. How about when like they were arguing and then like it was like a pretty intense argument and then she was just like, I don't want to argue about this. And then everything was cool after that. Don't you wish arguments can like that? Let me tell you, Jay. <laughs> when I saw that, I was like, incredible. I need to learn that. <laughs> However that happened, I need like pretty... the click remote to just play that scene. And that was a pretty serious argument about like family and cultures and not understanding each other and blah, blah, blah. Let me tell you, that conversation continued when they canceled their marriage. <laughs> That's how that conversation ended. And they just chilled out. Yeah. It was very serious and very much had an effect later in the movie. Yeah fucking sick though yeah but like imagine all the dumb stuff you know just arguments are out of and they'll they'll last a day yeah they'll last 12 hours it's incredible that they're just like life-altering argument i'm gonna go to this room let me grab my charger no she literally said the first one when they were like in bed together she's like i don't want to argue about this oh that one too yeah and he's like okay and then he makes a joke and she laughs and they like go to bed happy and i'm like damn it's fucking sick i'm jealous I'm jealous too. Anyways, these characters had no chemistry together. Um, I thought Julia Louis Louis Dreyfus, however you say her name, her character, like I get it was supposed to be kind of overbearing and all that, but like kind of made me feel uncomfortable. I don't know. A little too hard on that, but maybe that was a good thing. Uh David Duchovny was whatever, even though he had your your favorite X to the Z scene. Um is that what he <laughs> called him? X to the Z. <laughs> Um, everyone else fucking rocks. It's pretty cut and dry, honestly. <laughs> I landed at a seven. Like, look, these are talented people, but like, it was kind of underwhelming, and the chemistry sucked, and they didn't work well together. Yeah, I I think Julie Julie, her name's probably the biggest tongue twister a, in Hollywood. It fucking Julie, gets us every time, dude, because she's in the MCU now. And we Julia just don't know how Lewis to say it. Louis Dreyfus or Louis Dreyfus? Julia Louis Dreyfus. Louis, Louis Dreyfus? I don't know if Julie it's a Louis, Louis like King Dreyfus Louis, or Louis. Um, it's a, it's Louis. I'm going to watch some video. I'm going to do some homework. I'll come back. Uh, next time we do a review with her? Yeah. You'll get it right? Yeah. I'm going to nail it next time. Got it. I'm going to do some homework because it gets me every time. Julia Louis, <laughs> Louis Dreyfus. <laughs> I think she gives a good performance in what she's supposed to be, which is like the really cringy white like person who, like, has never spoken to a fucking black person in their life. Yeah. Um, like, I think that's fine. And she gives some very cringe, like, funny shit. But, yeah, for me, it's mostly just Eddie Murphy in the complete wrong role. Yeah. Like, he is not that type of actor. Make him funny. I thought his performance was fine. I, I just feel like it was so... It was basically like a monotone singer. Like, he just did one no yeah. one note the whole movie. Until the very end where he's like, hey, what's up, bud? Yeah. And punches him on the shoulder and they're best fucking friends. <laughs> yeah. It's so stupid. Jonah Hill uh, was funny. He made me laugh throughout, but it's just, it just awkward. The chemistry wasn't there. Um, they had, like, the brother and sister who, like, show up for, like, one or two scenes. Mm-hmm. Like, I feel like you could have used them more as side characters. They seem funny. Yeah. Um, I, I landed on an eight. What'd you give it? A seven. Okay, so one point higher than you. It's... It's not good. The comedy works for me at certain points. Like, I, I laughed, and I like the side characters and certain bits that characters are doing. Um, but overall, like, actual acting, not great. Not great at all. Jonah Hill had a pretty hot stretch. We've talked about it before on this podcast, like March Movie Madness, where he was just in, like, a bunch of good stuff and a bunch of great performances. I just feel like here recently, he's been kind of – he last thing he was in live action, well, he was in this Stutz project, which I don't think was anything significant. <laughs> 
No Fuck disrespect. Me, I remember what I was going to say about key elements because of Jonah Hill. Continue. Go ahead. Are you sure? Yeah. I was just going to say Jonah Hill's kind of not doing well here recently. But well, it has to do with his previous acting performance and Don't Look Up. Yeah. Uh, we touched on it in that movie. I think another one of the big problems with this movie is the subtlety. It hits you over the fucking head with the commentary at points. Yeah. And, like, that was the same thing with Don't Look Up. Like, there's a really good thing is how you make, like, a cultural commentary comedy. Yeah. As you got to be subtle with the commentary and you just got to, like, perfectly weave it in with the comedy. This isn't subtle at all. It, like, fucking literally makes you jump to either side of the aisle without, like, perfectly, you know, having the two interact. It's dog shit. It reminded me of Don't Look Up. To where it's like, it's funny in points, but the commentary just hits you over the head. Yeah, and you can have, like, the the more in-your-face moments, like the climax where the the daughter tells the mom, like, I'm not going to be, I'm not, a, I'm not a Barbie doll or whatever she said, yeah. I'm not a baby doll, whatever. And, you know, Johnny Hill standing up to the dad. Like, you can have the more in-your-face kind of commentary parts in those climaxes, but when the whole movie is that, yeah, you're right. It's, it, there's there's a subtlety, there's an art to it, and it's just not, not completely lost well. in this film. Yeah, and like you know, there's and there are supposed to be intense moments where it is like I said in your face when she doesn't get the job and they argue about it, whatever. But again, yep. yeah, it's you make it, you make a good point there, Ty. Problem. Um, well, you laughed on this. So how much did you enjoy this film on a scale from one to twenty? So again, bad movie. I'm not gonna sit here and defend it. With that being said, I've enjoyed some bad movies in my time. <laughs> there's been some real ridiculous, shitty plots that I'm like, not bad. I would kind of like. It ain't got nothing else to watch. I'd recommend it. Mm-hmm. I gave it a 12. Wow. I didn't have a bad time with this at all. Like, me and Victoria were laughing throughout. And then, like, when I sat and thought about it, I'm like, that's ridiculous. That was really shitty. That made no sense. Yeah. But I laughed. I had a good time with it. Fair. I don't love it. I'm not going to be over the moon and like, oh, this movie fucking rocks. But I'm like, yeah, it's kind of funny. Reminds me of, like, a dumb Adam Sandler movie. Like, <laughs> it's, you know, it's short. It's funny. You'll laugh. Don't think about it too much. I don't think I laughed as much as you. Um, and it's it's an easy watch. Like, it's not – you're not watching it like, oh, my gosh. And it's not, not, like, repulsively bad. I don't know, but there's sometimes a line where it's, like, something so bad it's entertaining. Um, ironically, I landed at the same enjoyment score that I also gave um, Me Time, which was the Netflix uh, Kevin Hart, Mark Wahlberg film um, about Ooh. Kevin Hart being a dad or whatever, blah, blah, blah. Um, I gave it the same enjoyment scale because – same thing. Bad movie. Me Time got a 37. That's the final score. Um, pretty bad movie with bad things, but Me Time made me laugh. This made me laugh. Not as much, but a little bit, at least a little bit better than Me Time because that movie was very bad. I gave it a 10 out of 20 for enjoyment, Ty. I didn't like Me Time. I gave Me Time a 6 <laughs> enjoyment. Half of what you gave it here. Or, or as I would like to say, a 5 out of 10, not a 10 out of 20. Disgusting. Um, and I landed with a final score, Ty. 39. Out of 100. Damn, that is a, that's a bad score. I know. I, it's just like nothing's really bad. I mean, the plot, I gave a five. But, like, you got five, nine, eight, seven, ten. Like, we don't have anything in the one to four range. It's just nothing stands out. Yeah. You're just kind of like across the board mediocre and yeah. bad. Yeah. Um, that's going to hurt you. I finished with a 44. Not much higher. Um, that gives us a final combined score of 41 and a half. Out of 100, making this the 149th ranked film out of the 167 movies we have reviewed, putting it with the likes of last week's plane, two weeks, two ago. weeks ago's plane, mm-hmm. 
really shitty Disney Pinocchio, <laughs> which only is that high because it was made by a, a multi-billion dollar studio and had decent enough visuals. Yeah. That's the only reason that movie is at a 40. Yeah. You gave it a 44. So just a reminder there. Same thing as uh, Mulan and Disenchanted. Probably Disney the only... stinks right there, bro. What a fucking stretch by Disney here. <laughs> Pinocchio, Disenchanted, Mulan. Yeah. Bad movies. All three of which you gave higher scores than me. I think you're a Disney shill. Higher scores being 40 to 36, 41 to 38, 44 to 36. So. It's it's a little bit, but it's consistent. Look, I think you're just moving the needle that much for them. As someone who has gone to Disney World multiple times is going back on a road trip in a few months here. Yeah, maybe I am a Disney shill. Okay? <laughs> okay. So just, you know. I'm glad you can admit it. Um, also, Reminiscence, Amsterdam, Bliss. Oh, fuck that movie. Reminiscence and Bliss are two movies where it feels like more reminiscence. Reminiscence feels like a dream. I don't think Isn't I that, actually watched that movie. Wasn't that part of that movie, though? It was like it was about dreams? I think so. <laughs> They're in your fucking mind. That was a COVID movie. I don't remember yeah. when it came out, but that was like a, a peak COVID. I mean, it was 2021, so maybe not peak COVID. Um, August 20, 2021. Not you know, a good film. You know a movie I really want to rewatch? What's that? Um, last week's Oscar snubbed the Northman <laughs> because when I did go and watch that, like I, I think I didn't sleep the night before and it was a small theater and I was by myself and I was like hopped up on energy drinks and you're just saying like it, like that feels like a dream. The Northman, like I've never done any like hard hallucinogenics. That feels like a hallucinogenic. Have like, you done took, soft hallucinogenics? I just think all hallucinogenics <laughs> fall under hard, but I was being, you know, I was using some adjectives there. <laughs> I feel like I was on an LSD trip when I was watching that movie because I'm like, I was in and out of like being dozy. And then all of a sudden they're like howling to each other, butt ass naked in a cave. Yeah. That's a movie that feels like it was a fucking trip. Yeah. And you gave it way too high of a score. <laughs> it was a good it was- movie though. Like, I feel like I can say I've done hallucinogenics after watching that film. It deserves some credit for that. Gave it an 84. Uh, when I get really tired like that, I just get really emotional and I cry. Um, <laughs> I was very tired the day I went to see uh, Babylon, which is a movie we're reviewing in the future. I've already seen it and um, made me cry in the Babylon? film. Babylon? You mean Not, The uh, Fablesman? The Fablemans. Fablemans, yes. Sorry. Thank you for correcting me. Yeah. Cried during the movie. I but cried I- during Babylon. It was a beautiful film. <laughs> But also cried during, um, I'm pretty sure, a trailer and one of those, like, pre – because we actually got there early for once and it was, like, one of those Maria Menounos' like, help kids with cancer by the Oh, no, pin. that got you? Yeah, I was emotional. And our Mr. Beast video where he cured a thousand people's oh, blindness, yeah. that made me cry. That like, hit me. When I'm tired, bro, I cry. It's kind of bad, but this is what it is, man. I- I like a man who can show his emotions. I, I was tired because I did a little little two-nighter in Vegas on my two days off. So You're just fucking partying it up on weekdays. Played I respect a it. a lot of poker. It was a Friday, Saturday. Those was my it? days off. I thought it was Thursday, Friday. Okay. we le- I left Thursday night after Finishing I got work. off work. Yes, yeah, so I left at like 4.30. Love that. Um, Stayed Friday night. Stayed Saturday night. Stayed No, stayed Thursday night. Stayed Friday night. Came home Saturday. Had Friday, Saturday off. Played a lot of poker. Yeah? A lot of poker. Ugh. Oh, that's not a good sound. That sounds overall, like that sounds like you were doing good and you finished bad. Overall, yeah, <laughs> it's sad when I I I probably played like thirteen hours across two days. Oh fuck! And I finished plus ten dollars. <laughs> no shit. <laughs> that's a roller coaster of. That's like, that's like Chinese child labor wages to make ten dollars in thirteen well, hours. Well, I get two dollars per hour of comp money at Mandalay Bay when I play. So, so I actually made you... more on the comp than I did playing poker. Oh my god. Um, day one, Ty, let me just show you a photo here. This is great radio. 
Man, I've taken this. so many photos since last week. This is something. This is something where, like, if we actually give a shit about social media in the future, post that onto our Twitter. Yes. Like, hey, interactive. It's already on the Twitter. Go look at it, and we'll just post it with like zero reference on the Twitter. So, like, when it posts, people are like what? And then they listen. And they're like, oh. So day one, this was a seven hundred dollar stack. Sat down with three hundred. I don't know how much those chips are worth. Seven hundred played. That's pretty sick, though. Sat down with three hundred. Got up to seven hundred in the first hour. Was torching, was torching fools, playing well. Love that. And then got in a little bit of, got, uh, had a huge cooler. Not a little bit of a cooler. $1,000 pop. Were you, were you tilted, Jay? Uh, A little bit. Had to walk it off. Okay. I went to the bathroom. I, guy was all in for like $480 and I called. So there was just about $1,000 in the pot. Would have been up to like $1,100. I had Ace Queen suited. Um, did all our pre-flop stuff. Flop was queen, queen, nine. We just kept raising each other. He went all in. I called. He had pocket nines. He had a full house, and he won. <laughs> oh, that's tough. Yeah, so that that brought me down to, like, minus 100 or whatever I was. And then I ended up finishing that night, like, minus 120. And then the next day, I played for, like, four hours, five hours in the middle of the day. Literally cashed out at $303. Tipped the $3 to the, the dealer. or the Not the dealer, but the whatever people. So broke even. And then played again later that night. And won 130 or whatever it was to be up 10. So, Brandon also played live poker for the first time. How'd he do? Uh, he busted both times. He actually was playing really well. And then I stressed to him before. I said, you have to stay patient. If you're not going to sit here, if you don't want to sit here for like two, three hours, then as soon as you get up, just leave. Like yeah. go up, just leave. And he was up like $170 like one time. And then, and then he, just he started forcing bad he hands. got impatient and played some bad hands. He got in a situation where he had like – ace four on a really heavy board and then the guy ended up having like two pair or a straight or something and and like brandon was like yeah i had top pair and i was like well brandon even if you the guy also had an ace you had ace four like yeah he wasn't gonna call your bets with something shitty um he tried bluffing a guy on a board that just made no sense to bluff and then uh i busted him the last the the oh, second time no. i i regret it brandon if you're listening to this i regret giving you this money I busted him for like 80 bucks and i had 60 bucks in my wallet and gave it to him because i felt bad terrible because i <laughs> I only played because he raised to, like, 10 or something. I was in the big blind with, like, five, six suited, some whatever hand. Like, it's okay to play those to mix it in. Yeah. And some guy called, and I called, and then the flop was literally five, six, six. Oh, no. So I flopped a boat. <laughs> and I was just kind of reeling him in, like, calling and, like, whatever. And then before the river, because I, I was first to act, I was, like, blind all in because you could blind bet before the card's out. So I blind went all in before the card was. Trying to tell Brandon, like, hey, don't call this. I actually have something. And he called with, like, pocket jacks and lost. Oh, it's pretty funny. That's tough. Yeah. So that's fucking tough. That was poker. You was shouldn't nice. have. You shouldn't have given him that money back. That should have been a poker lesson with Jay. <laughs> You're right. It should have been a life lesson. Yeah. Well, there. Anyone listening to this? That's a poker lesson with Jay. If I ever blind bet you all in, I'm, just know. Yeah. I I joke around a lot at the poker table. I do a lot of blind bets. <laughs> <laughs> like if it's a guy who's been cool the whole night and like I kind of know I have him beat. Like there was one time I had like pocket kings and the guy ended up having pocket queens and the board was just like whatever. There was nothing there. I like blind bet like 25 bucks before the river came out and he blind called it <laughs> and then he fl- flipped over queens. I flipped over kings. It was pretty funny. Me and him got a good chuckle Love out of that. it. But you ever do that with the real asshole? The table guy who's just tilted getting pissed off at everyone. <sighs> Not really. That would be funny. I haven't ran into too many assholes, thankfully. Okay. But that's good. They're out there. Should I be the asshole at the poker table? Should I just start <laughs> playing poker and become a complete dick? There was one guy the first night, no poker etiquette, which I'm fine. Like, Brandon was worried about poker etiquette. I don't really care. But this guy was literally, like, showing the guy next to him his hand. 
And, like, he kept saying, like, I keep getting the five of spades. And then he would get, like, a five. He's like, oh, I got a five again. And I, I would hear him say it. But then I'm like, dude, like, other people are in this hand. And but there was one time he showed the guy his hand. And the guy was still in the hand. And everyone's like, what are you doing? And, like, so he had to table it and show the whole table. But that guy kind of got on my nerves. Jeez. Rookie. Yeah. Amateur. Couldn't be me, Jay. Random Rotten Tomato <laughs> audience score tie. There's an actress in this who looked familiar, and I found out why. It is Jonah Hill's sister. Who was played by Miss Molly Gordon? Okay, Molly Gordon is in um, Booksmart and some other films. Booksmart's going to be your random Rotten Tomato audience score, by the way. Um, okay. She's in Booksmart. She's in another one we've reviewed on this. Oh, Good Boys. We reviewed Good Boys. Okay, she's got to be like attached with Jonah Hill or something, right? Well, Jonah Hill's sister is the lead in Booksmart. So I'm assuming that there's probably some sort of connection there, yeah. Gotcha. Um, I forgot that was his sister. She plays Triple uh, A, like the bully girl. Not the cool girl that um, Caitlin Dever makes out with in the bathroom, but like kind of the bully girl who – there's that bathroom scene where um, – It's been so long since I've watched that movie. You're speaking into a void right now. All right, no well, that's the girl she plays. About. Completely different role than this. Book Smart Tie, a movie we watched and talked about before we started doing the in-depth movie ranking scale – Good movie. Um, what do you think the audience gave it from a scale to one to a hundred? Does Ron Smith go to zero? I don't know. It's a good question. Do the research while I talk about this. <laughs> um, so this movie, I think critic-wise, we're in the 90s. I think people loved this movie. It was received well and deservedly so because it was a great film. Um, it was one of the last good, like, stupid comedies that just kind of worked. There are zeros. Fuck yeah. Name one. Hard Sell. Go watch it. That's what this uh, – I don't know if it still has a zero, but <laughs> – um, Great comedy. I, I think just the nature of it being that comedy, you're going to get people who are like, oh, you know, stupid comedy. Hate review it. Yeah, just because of what it is. But, like, that's a lost art. We need more stuff like that. I'm thinking it's sitting in the high 80s. I usually do – I don't know why I say, like, common numbers, like 87, as if that's, like, any more common than 88. I don't follow your logic. Here. I don't know, like eighty-seven feels like a like a jump to it kind of number, whereas eighty-eight feels a little more off the beaten path. Well, seven is like the most like common number. I feel like you tell someone to pick a number between one and ten. I feel like everyone either says seven or three because yeah. it's like in well, the middle of the middle. Yeah, like five feels too obvious, but then seven and three feel too obvious because that's what you would pick if you didn't pick like a five. I think seven's number one. I think we should do like a blind survey. We're just like pick a number through through one and ten, like see what people choose. I'm gonna just, I'm gonna start asking everyone in my life to pick a number one through ten. Um, document the results, please. I am. I'm gonna next week on the pod. I might only have like eight people, but um, I will have the results for the you and the listeners. I can't wait. I'm excited for this. And, I'll, and I'll I'll read it at the end here during a rotten random audience score. Okay. Um, with all that being said, 87 feels too too easy. I'm gonna jump up to 88. Final guess. You got the double number right. It is a double number. It's a 99. It's a 77. That's too low. Audience score. That's gross. What did it get critics? Uh, 96. That's a fucking good score. It's a great movie. Book smart. If you haven't watched it, recommend it highly. Um, I was right. There was people just like hate watching that. Yeah. not Probably not even watching. Hate yeah, reviewing. Just hate reviewing. Because it's an LGBTQ plus story, of course. So yeah. there's got to be hatred. Jason Sudeikis is a guy you forget that's in that movie. I forgot he's in, he that, was movie. in that movie. Yeah, he's pretty good. He's pretty funny. Um, the he, scene when isn't he <laughs> the scene he's the principal and he picks him up as the uber driver and they start watching um 
uh, I don't know if it was lesbian or straight, but uh, porn, and it was connected to his ox, and it just starts playing <laughs> the noise. Um, that was great scene. Great scene. Uh, Ty, That's what do we got next great. week? Next week, Jay, and let me tell you, I've got a couple of weeks teed up because I finally did some work and made a schedule. Appreciate you. We we know what we're doing for the foreseeable future, at least. <laughs> well, just give uh, him next week. Don't give him too much. No, of course not. Amen on the Wasp, February 22nd. Be there. Um, <laughs> <laughs> next week, we're reviewing the M. Night Shyamalan banger, which I thought was like an Amazon series. But it's okay. a theater movie. I couldn't have been more wrong. Mystery Horror Outer Hour 40. God. That's the name of the movie? Knock at the Cabin. A Knock at the Cabin? Just Knock at the Cabin. No way. Looks a little spooky for me, I'll be honest. It It is a mystery horror. Yeah. What's the twist going to be? Um, I don't know. You know what, M. Night Shyamalan? Okay, two I, thoughts. I know nothing about what this is going to be. Continue, though. Two thoughts. Number one. M. Night Shyamalan's biggest thing he could do at this point of his career is have a movie without a twist. Oh, yeah. No, that's such a do the anti-twist. Yeah. Like, have everyone wait for the twist. Like, oh, what's going to happen? And then the movie just ends. And then nothing. It plays out exactly how you expect it to. Or the movie just ends and you never find out. Audiences get mad when you kind of do that, though. With With that being said, though, I think, like, People have been really pissed off at him. I think he's just got to play the hits. You can't. He doesn't have the like the love, the cultural love to do that. Well, number two, talking about playing the hits, Ty. If there was ever a director who would steal our murder mystery idea, it's Mr. M. Night Shyamalan. I think we found our dream director for our screen, our murder mystery screenwrite. I mean, I don't disagree. Does he write? I think he does write his movies. He doesn't say. He's directing and producing this, but... If we, like, pitch him this idea, can we sell it to him, or will, can he just, like, take it from us since we don't have any legal documents? So then... here, I think you have to be a part of, like, the Screen Actors Guild and, like, have, like, mm. official shit, and then you, like, submit it to them, and then it's like, hey, this is mine. If he steals it, this is proof. I think it's just two Joe Schmoes who are like, hey, Mr. Knight Don't Shyamalan. call yourself a Joe Schmo. You're not a Joe Schmo, Ty. Okay. How much does it cost to... Get into the SAG, not SAF. SAG, um, three thousand dollars, with an annual fee of two hundred and twenty-seven dollars. Oh, three thousand's just barrier of entry, and then how much? Two hundred twenty-seven dollars a year. You want to raise some money? I wonder what we're at with our. Can ad we become revenue. a? <laughs> can we become a joint member? Oh, this is for as an actor. Oh, oh yeah, it's the Screen Actors Guild. I need the Screen Writers Guild. How much money to get into the screen? I don't think that's the thing. What is it? Writers, uh, Guild. Writers Association. Excuse me, bad radio. Um, the Writers Guild of America. Um, R G W G A. W G A W. One time initiation fee of two thousand five hundred. It's not as bad. Um, I think if we do like the Russo Bros, they have to only have like one subscription, right? I don't know. <laughs> I, don't, I can't imagine they Why do we have to, to jump all these hoops? Why can't we just go make a movie? That's what I'm saying. Should we, honestly, real talk, like, YouTube and everything, like, it's just never been easier to just make stuff? Um, Even if it's just for passion. Yeah. I think the bigger issue there is, like, production, lighting, equipment, actors, if we don't want to be ourselves on screen. I'm not a good actor. I think I have a, I'm have. i a great idea guy. I don't know if I'm great at putting that idea on film. Okay, you said this is a safe space? Yeah. I was actually thinking while watching me time or you time or you people. Sorry. Yep. 
I was thinking, I was like, I think I should have been an actor. I think I could do this. Me and you could be a great, I could write shit for you and you could act. Now, I could be in over my head. Yeah. I don't, my acting might be horrible. I don't really remember. We've done a couple of short projects back in high school. I also did my college one. I don't remember being swayed either way by you. I don't remember being like, this is the next fucking Leo. But my I also one. wasn't like. It's pretty funny. What was it? You've seen it. I don't the, remember. The golf one. We went and filmed it on the golf course, and it was extremely windy that day, so all of our audio is like. It's horrible. We should have just re. Why didn't we re record it? Why didn't I have in you guys. Post? I still got a. I, I got like a it. 25 out of 20 on that project still, so that didn't really matter. 25 out of I got 20? extra credit, yeah. Because wow. it was so good. Because I got, I got a twenty out of twenty, and then I got the extra credit because it was a movie based on my poster or whatever. Oh, yeah, nice. Because I had to make a movie poster. It was uh, I learned Adobe. Anyways, next week a knock on the cabin door, right, Ty? Knock at the cabin. Go see it now. Just before we go, Jay, mm-hmm. are you aware of who's in this movie? Who stars in this horror mystery? I was going to start singing his WWE music. Uh, that is Mr. Dave Batista. Yeah, you don't know his WWE music. I knew you did, but I wanted to do a fucking... I played you like a fucking fiddle right there. Because I knew you did, but I knew you weren't going to do it unless I was like, you can't do it. Also stars Ron from Harry Potter. And Jonathan Groff of Hamilton fame. Who's he playing Hamilton? Oh, the king? Yeah. Nice. It's a great pull by me. That's next week. Um, yeah. I, that's all we got for you. Is that all we do? Yeah. Why are you second-guessing yourself? Next week, go watch Knock at the Cabin in theaters. In the meantime, be a good friend, everybody. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. 
And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.